0: Welcome to another edition of NBA Sound System. Carlin Gay alongside Mike Adams and Gil McGregor. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at NBA Sound System. Today, it's uh, we're talking part one of the halfway point of the season. Part two will come later on in the week, but We're going to be discussing the bowl predictions for the second half, our bowl predictions for the second half, the biggest lessons we've learned from the first half of the season, biggest disappointments we've seen, biggest surprises from the first 41 games for each team, uh, and possibly our title favorites going forward. Mike Adams, Gil McGregor. Let's start there. Let's start with the title favorites. Um, we got to start with the big boys, right? Yeah, and I, I want to remind everybody that you can go on nba.com, ca.nba.com, and read our predictions prior to the season. Nah, nobody wants that. And, nobody uh, needs that. There's a lot of takebacks there for me, New information personally. Has become available. New This is the New Information Has Become Available podcast. This is, this is it. Like, that should actually be the name of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> new Information <laughs> Available. <laughs> new Information is Available. I was wrong about so much, and I've changed my mind about so much. I'm actually waiting for you guys to call me out on what I've changed my mind on going forward, but let's start with the title contenders because that I haven't changed my mind on. I want to see where you guys are at 41 games in to the season.
1: I've definitely changed my mind. I was all in on a Final series between the Clippers and 76ers, and I don't see that happening anymore. Wow! Uh, I think that the Lakers look prime to to take it. I saw a graphic the other day, and wait
0: a second, wait a second. Are you calling a Lakers victory? You're not even saying that they're just prime to make the final. You said prime to take it. I mean, title, title, I favorite. Mean, take it is
1: strong. T- it is title, strong. title, favorite.
0: And you know what? I'm just gonna go with history.
1: The Lakers won in 2000, right? They won in 2010, right? It's 2020, so history repeats itself. Okay, uh, why not?
2: Okay. all right.
1: Why not? I mean, new information will come available over the next 41 games. I mean, there are well, re- there are so, reasons for why. Yeah, yeah, there, there are reasons yeah, for it? why. And, and uh, plenty of that information will come. You might ask me at All-Star Weekend. I might have a, <laughs> I have a different answer. But right now, at the 41 game point, which is all we care about, that, that's my new information right there.
0: All right, so if, if they're not going to be playing the Sixers uh, out of the East, who, who is the, uh, the team coming out of the
1: East? Lakers-Bucks finals. Wow. Lakers-Bucks finals. And I think that uh, the fact that they have guys that have been there before, mainly LeBron James, I think that – this is the time for him to do I think we'll see him tap into another level. I think it's the last time that he'll really be able to tap into another level. Even though we said that every year and then he proves us wrong. But mm-hmm. I think this is the year we can really go all in.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if uh, LeBron is going to surprise us anymore, but he is still one of the best players in the NBA today. And that would be an interesting series him going uh, up still against the, best the best reigning the NBA, MVP. That's for another, that's that for another time. That is definitely for another time. Uh, your title favorite. <laughs> uh, so like Gil,
2: I entered the year thinking Clippers, Sixers, Unlike Gil, I actually have the stones to stick with uh, okay. my preseason title favorite. Wow, <laughs> I'm gonna. I still think it's the Clippers. Okay, uh, look, still. They, I still think it's the Clippers. Yeah, they they've beaten the Lakers twice, and look, we you can only read so much into two. They also were losing by forty to the Bucks mm-hmm. uh, in a game that they had everyone. So and you know they just got booed off their own their own floor yep. uh, within the last two weeks, and there there's some internal turmoil. I just think that when push comes to shove, this is a team that. Look, they don't know. You can't say that they know who they are because Kawhi just got there and Paul George just got there. Right. But I think that deep down they know that, like, they're a team that's built for the playoffs. They what happens in January and December, uh, you know, it ultimately doesn't really matter. I think when push comes to shove, this will be a team that nobody wants to play. I'm far more interested in whether we're, whether we get Lakers Clippers in the conference final or whether we get it in the second round. Uh, To me, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. We're talking favorites. I still think it's the Clippers because until proven otherwise, uh, May and June goes through one man, and his name is Kawhi Leonard.
0: It's interesting. Um, What I wanted to ask you before we get to my picks is, do you think that the Clippers are good to go as is? They don't have to make a move. They don't have to add anything. They don't have to subtract from what they have. The team that they have today at the time of recording this, is the team that they should have? I think in they. The I think
2: they can be good. Like I, I don't think that you can look at the Clippers and say, as currently constructed, this team cannot win the title. I okay. think they can. I, I think if they stand pat, uh, they could still win it. Now that being said, are there ways that they can improve? Of course. I still think. That I. I don't know if they have enough size. Uh, I. I would be worried about playing Anthony Davis or playing against. Joel Embiid are playing mm-hmm. against Giannis like that still kind of worries me a little bit because honestly their best lineup is i don't know probably with like Trez at center and he's 6'7 yeah. maybe if we're yeah. being nice so uh I don't think Zubac uh you know he's nice I don't know if that's who you really want to be entering <laughs> uh a playoff series against Anthony Davis with as your starting center so I do hope that they add some size that said I think they
0: got enough to win it as is. As is. Okay. Uh, my my playoff prediction or my finals prediction at the beginning of the season, Which I believe. One? Yeah, i made multiple. <laughs> Which one, But the one that lives on, on <laughs> ca.me.com was Lakers-Sixers. I am sticking with the Lakers. I'm not coming off that bandwagon. I think they are the best team in the NBA. Did I know that they were going to be this good before the season started? I won't lie to you and say yes because the answer is absolutely no. I just thought that. Too many people were putting stock into the Clippers, and the Lakers were, were, in my opinion, just right there with them. I didn't think that they would be this good, though, right out of the gate. I'm sticking with the Lakers. On the Eastern Conference side, I've come around. Whoa, so no, whoa, whoa. I've come whoa. around. Oh, no. here it is. What's, what's happening here? I've come around. Even with Eric Bledsoe. Even. As their starting point guard, the Milwaukee Bucks will come out of the Eastern wow. Conference. Wow.
2: What, what changed? Because all, all year long. If there's one thing and one thing only, because it is one thing only that you've been consistent on, it's the Milwaukee Bucks cannot, will not, yeah. will never win a title. It extends me obviously past
1: this I year, mean, like the years yeah. before. This like, last like, year, it's, it's, as then, long
0: yeah. as Eric Bledsoe's on the team, yeah. they can't win. What what changed? I, I still don't believe that they will win a title, but I think that they have enough to get to the finals. And what changed is that this team this year has shown me that they have taken the next step. And they are going out and pounding teams. And I'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. But right now, I don't think that there is a team in the Eastern Conference if everything stays the same. Meaning there's no trades or anything like that. There is not a team in the Eastern Conference that could really match up with this team in a seven-game series. Especially if Milwaukee has home court advantage because they are so tough to beat at home. I just think that they have enough to get out of the East. Whether or not they have enough to win the title is a different story. I think the the Lakers are a better team in a seven game small window, seven game series, two weeks. You have time to plan things out and really be able to to focus and game plan. I think the Lakers will get it done in the finals. But right now, today, the Milwaukee Bucks, for my money, they're head and shoulders above the rest of the Eastern it's Conference. Yeah, it's, a, really it's, big it's a it's a huge fall off. It and pays for seventy wins at the halfway mark. But but because there's such a bunch. Like, there's a bottleneck after, after the Bucks, There's a bottleneck for that second spot. We'll talk about it a little later in the podcast. But uh, some another team could jump up in there. Uh, I really think that we'll see in the next two weeks, three weeks, with the trade deadline looming, something could happen and could change things in the Eastern Conference. But right now, today, 41 game mark, I have the Bucks, Lakers in the finals. Let's get to our biggest surprises of the year, of the first half of the year, rather. Biggest surprise of the first half of the year is what, Gil? Man, uh, well, one of them now is you thinking that the Bucks <laughs> can, can,
1: can, can, can cancel cancel <laughs> the pod. That's all <laughs> we need. Whatever, whatever. Everything else that you think uh. the Bucks can make the finals on, but but honestly, I mean, you look look at where we are, kind of midway through the year. There are some teams who you know we were thinking like maybe the the Warriors follow the playoffs. Who's going to take that spot? Right. But, but we didn't really expect to see the Mavericks, the Thunder, the Grizzlies midway through the season in contention. For a playoff seed, and really just everything in the bottom half of the Western Conference has been a surprise for me. This is kind of a strange year for the West. You're not used to seeing the team on pace for finishing below 500. Right. Winning a a, a eighth seed and playing in the playoffs in the Western Conference. So that's really been a big surprise for me. And and now just, and we'll get into this later, whoever takes that spot is going to be a big surprise. Whether it's the Grizzlies, Spurs, Blazers. Even some teams with outside shot, like the Suns and, and Wolves and Pelicans, mm-hmm. it's it's been kind of a something not not really expected, and, and definitely going to be interesting to follow as the season continues to go on. Yeah. I think it's a good call, like, da- like,
2: Dallas and Memphis in particular. I think are just two teams. Like Dallas, a lot of people sort of had on that fringe of the playoffs, but I, I don't think anyone in their right mind expected them to so, be yeah. there with the Clippers and the Nuggets and the Jazz sort of duking I mean they they might finish second in the West like yeah that's crazy who knows uh, really and then Memphis think. I think everyone I just sort of assumed that they're another two three years away that they're gonna finish either 14th or 15th in the West and like John Morant has
0: been incredible he's been incredible uh, Brandon Clark's been really nice for them off the bench uh Jaron Jackson hasn't taken the step that we thought he would take the second year but he's still he's gotten better uh, Dylan Brooks back in the lineup helps. I don't Donald think... Shunis has been a beast inside, too. That as well. So they have a nice team. I don't think... Any, you could line up... Uh, their head coach with a bunch of regular walking dudes, <laughs> and the average NBA fan would not know no. who who he is. No. like they, they, they would not, they would not be able to pick him out. They'd probably have a better chance of picking out former coaches like Hubie Brown, uh, Fizdale, uh, who, who else? Uh, uh, Hollins, 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 Hollins. Hollins Holl- yeah, Lionel <laughs> Hollins, uh, Dave Yeager. You you name it. They Yo, would shout have a, out to Taylor <laughs> Jenkins by the Taylor way. Taylor Jenkins. is His him name. Awesome respect. Yeah, I have to give him respect. But Justin Timberlake probably should be coaching this team because he's more <laughs> popular than than you know than Taylor. Uh, but yeah, it, you're right about Memphis. Is that your is that your biggest surprise? Memphis? No, it's not.
2: It, it's one. of them. I, I okay. thought about it. I I think that um, they, they have been to me. To me, the one that came completely out of left field is Carmelo. I I have apologized about being wrong about Carmelo before, okay. <laughs> but I, I mean, you asked me. I think maybe a month into the season or something, right. we talked about. I think it was after Mello said he wants to be on a team. And uh, I said, there's a 99% chance we don't see Melo again. Right. And you said, well, you won't, you won't go 100? You won't go 100? <laughs> and I refused to do it because it's the NBA. You never say never. And, uh, I mean, the numbers aren't actually that much different than sure. the last go-around when he was in Houston. But he—he, he, you got to give the man credit, man. He, he, is, he has done a remarkable job in Portland. I think that probably says as much about Portland uh, as it does about – Mellow, but I mean, there's a guy that was out of the league, and then within a month is winning Western Conference Player of the Week. Like mm. he's he stepped up. I think it's an amazing story. Uh, I mean, he's been giving. He he, he gave it to the Raptors uh, with a game winner. What maybe a week, a week or ago. two ago. Yeah, a week he's, ago. He just, I don't know, he's reaching in the bag and it feels like every four or five games it looks like 2012 Melo. I think it's an awesome story.
0: I think when you said, you said it perfectly, the numbers may not be different, but the situation as a whole is completely different. Oh, no doubt. Which has allowed him to be him. you know, allowed him to be Carmelo. The biggest surprise for me, the LA Clippers. Oh, no. Uh Uh-oh. Let's go. They're not as scary as we thought they were. Oh, don't do that. They're not. Don't do that. Why? they they're not i mean this is a team that we, before the season started everyone was saying oh look out the clippers are going to walk through the nba look out you have two of the best two-way players in the league on the same court at the same time you have patrick beverly possibly one of the best defenders at the point guard position who's going to score on these guys <laughs> these guys are going to be able to walk onto the floor lock every single buddy every single team down and no one's going to even touch them we're sitting here right now this is a Clippers team who hasn't lit the light of the world on fire. They have the, you know, the Rockets have a better record than they do. They're ten and nine away from home.
2: Yeah, that's not good. Good teams great.
0: win on the road. They are ten and nine away from home. What you're supposed to pack when your offense doesn't go with you on the road?
1: Defense your travels.
0: defense normally travels. Defense travels. That hasn't that's happened. True. This is a team that has, like I said, all world defenders. 105.8 defensive rating what does that mean to you the orlando magic better defensive team yeah i mean they're still with the toronto in the raptors league. playing with a bunch of g-league oh, players <laughs> wow don't all right better defensive that's just team. disrespectful now the chicago bulls are right there behind the la clippers in terms of defensive rating keyword being behind they're still seventh in the league it's not like this they're is top a, ten in the it's league it's not
2: like this is a team this is, team that was expected to be the no best question.
0: In 23rd. The problem is is that everyone is always making excuses right. for this team and going out of their way to tell me why there is a problem. I'm going to sit here and say we are recording this at 1.58 p.m. Eastern
2: Time, Tuesday, January 14th, 2020. That is the time stamp that Carlin Gay buried the Clippers. I didn't bury them. I'm I said gonna, my biggest no, surprise. We're going we're to play this back. We're going to play this back when Kawhi Leonard is still sitting there laughing like what
0: on earth were you guys thinking, ever Uh, doubting me? And if that doesn't happen, I want you to play this again (laughs) and and tell me any excuse you want to make up. Because all I've heard is excuses as to why this team hasn't clicked, doesn't have a better record, isn't winning away from home, doesn't have a better defensive rating. No one is afraid of this team right now. We were – if you –
2: that's rewind back I, I
0: can't disagree with to that. To September. Yeah. People were terrified that this team would be playing in the NBA as constituted. No one's scared anymore. We're now hearing more about trade rumors than we are about this team being a championship contender. That says everything to me. I
2: think it's all smoke. I, it's, it's an eighty-two game grind. Uh they just wanna they just wanna they need to get their healthy. All they all they care about is going from game eighty-two to game eighty-three With all the bodies in place, with Paul George healthy, with Kawhi healthy, if they if that means making another trade, fine. They got a veteran coach. They got a two-time Finals MVP. They got a guy that finished in the top five of MVP voting last year. They got their Sixth Man of the Year. They got one of the favorites to win it again this year. Like you said, with Pat Bev, they got a shooting. Yeah, they they have all those things. This team is completely fine.
0: If you remove the two wins against the Lakers. What do you look at from this team to tell you that they're going to be fine? That's all they're hanging on to right now It's the two wins and yesterday's news. We haven't seen That's anything fair. this season that has proven to anyone that this team is going to win the championship. All we're basing it off of is what happened in the past. We haven't seen anything right now concrete saying that this team is going to win the championship. I'm still waiting for that moment. The two wins against the Lakers, nice wins, but I'm still waiting for them to put together a string that says to me, okay, they mean business. They now have flipped the switch, and they now say that they are the best team in the league. They haven't done yet. They're sitting right now as we record, fifth in the Western Conference. Like I said, they're barely 500 away from home. They don't have the greatest defense in the world like everyone expected them to be. And when you're a great team, coming into the season – they were supposed to be in the conversation of the last five years, the Warriors and everybody else. Maybe not historically, but in terms of being the number one team to make the finals. The Warriors had all those same issues that the Clippers had. Not once did you hear trade rumors. Not once. Everyone was patient. Last year with Kawhi Leonard in Toronto, not once did you hear trade rumors. Everyone was patient saying it will come together. And you know why? Because they put a product on the floor that led you to believe that. That they had no problems, no issues, no nothing. This team hasn't done that yet. That's my biggest surprise. There is.
1: There is a big surprise, I think. We'll see. We'll see. Uh,
0: we'll see. I, I will
1: say one thing. You talk about flipping the switch and you, and you look at this team and I think we talked about where they are personnel wise. I think their biggest issue, we've talked about it as well. Last time we were here, we talked about it. Their identity. Right. Yeah. They need to establish identity. Who are we? Like half of the guys are like you know. Every game, you know, all 82 matters. The other half, 82 to 83, is where it really matters. Right. And I think we see what team they are when they play the Lakers because they obviously get up to play the Lakers. Sure. But if they don't have that identity, can they flip that switch once the postseason starts? And that's my biggest concern with them. If they're not on the same page come April 15th, you know, when it's, it might have an early May a, a exit earlier than we expect from them just because they have a struggle to get that It identity. will
0: be one of the biggest failures in sports franchise history if this team doesn't at least make the conference finals okay
2: uh-huh. I, I i think i agree with that i thought you were about to say if they don't win a title no no no, no no. i, I, I think i, I, I agree with I,
0: that. I i i i expect them to at least make the conference finals at it would least. be a
2: massive it would be a massive failure if they don't
0: absolutely least. i agree with that and if they don't start playing they might be playing a team that could take That's them out true. in that mm-hmm. second round mm-hmm. all right biggest disappointments what do we have well, you talked about one of them right there, but uh,
1: <laughs> flashing back to my pick initially to go to the, the finals in the Eastern Conference, Philly. Uh, you look All at three team, of our picks to reach it, the finals. Yeah, all three of us picked yeah, pick yeah. Philly well, to go to... Uh, so I think it's safe, half, it's safe three, to say three, that three and two and a half at the, really, at the midway really point, all in on the, <laughs> at the midway point. we weren't expecting <laughs> them to be 25 and 16, and we definitely weren't expecting <laughs> them to be 7 and 14 on the road. Right. We talked about good teams being good on the road. That's not just like average on the road. that's bad. It's bad. That's man. bad. Like that's you know, I, I know you talked about it. You you had a tweet talk the the air that they're in of teams with similar rank uh, records on the road. It's not a good company. Like the Nets are seven and twelve and they've been without <laughs> like Kyrie for two and a half like two months. Oh, the man. Hornets are eight and fifteen and they're outside the playoff picture. The Bulls are seven and thirteen outside the playoff picture. The Sixers like you can't like if you want to go to the finals, you want to be a good team, you want to have title aspirations you got to win a game or two on the road, yeah. and they can't do that, especially if they're they're going to play themselves on oh, well, home court advantage. I was just getting ready to say the whole the <laughs> yeah. whole
2: point of the whole point of that being important is if you got to win more on the road than at right. home, but just by the sheer
0: truth of the matter of the fact
2: of where you are in the standing, that they're sixth in the East right now.
0: Yeah. How the yeah. hell is this team sixth in the East? Yeah, yeah. it's it, without and, and the Pacers are getting Victor Oladipo back, which will probably you know widen that gap for them. Um, when I look at the Sixers, when you look at that that home and away split that that record for both of those those things those that team, I'm looking at it and I'm saying to myself, this is exactly what they are on the basketball court. They're so inconsistent possession to possession. They turn the ball over way too much to take to be taken seriously. Embiid so, is the leader of this team. He'll give you five great games, and then he'll give you five very pedestrian games. Ben Simmons is the exact same thing. Tobias Harris. Haven't seen a great game out of him in a long time. This is the team. This is the, so their record is, is exactly what it should be. This is the team. They they've won twenty five games because they are really talented. They haven't won twenty five games because they're a good team.
2: You don't see this happen in the in the NBA very often. Usually, it's like a college basketball thing, but. Philly reminds me of one of those teams that you that you look at in the NCAA tournament and you're like, they could win the whole thing or they could right. be one and done and lose in the first mm-hmm. round. I, I, I honestly I have no idea what to think of them because I could see that happening. Like I could see them losing in five games in the first round because they shoot seventeen percent from the three point line and can't score on anyone in the half court, and then everyone's gonna collectively look around and say, like well, of course that like a uh, duh. Yeah. Why? Why would we think it? And then, or they get hot, or they get hot, and then you look at just the talent on down. Because I still think that just pure talent alone take away fit, take away how the the puzzle pieces all work together. I don't think there's a more talented team in the entire league, at than least in either East. conferences yeah. Yeah. Uh, than Philly. So it, on on the other side, if they go on, they win the title. They get their act together. It, it's then it's sort of like well what were we
0: freaking out about i am i don't know i have no idea i am so close i'm not there yet completely but i am towing the line of stepping over and saying i'm out on the sixers this isn't a team that everyone thought they would be join me we are we are <laughs> looking at a team like i don't want to be come may when they're out in the second round saying to myself i knew this back in february i you do, knew this you do back know in, it though. in you know it i feel it I am. I am giving it some time. I. I, I just want to yeah. see what happens close to. But I'm right there with you. I'm. I'm on the line. I'm. I'm. I'm about to step over. Biggest surprise I, for you.
2: Uh, you mean biggest disappointment? Yeah, disappointment. Well, sorry. other than, well, other than Philly, but it's, <laughs> whatever, That's neither here <laughs> nor I don't. Know. You can go back to get five pot straight <laughs>
0: podcasts ago and listen to Micah I'm, wax poetic. I kind of want to
2: go in on the Atlanta Hawks a little bit.
0: But, Why? What do they do uh, to you?
2: Because I look. Why the Hawks? I. Yes, John Collins was out for 25 games. I <laughs> thought he was going to make the All Star team this right. year. I, I think, I think entering the year, I was like, oh, they, maybe they'll have two All Stars. Could right. Trey Young and John Collins do it? This team is so far and away the worst team in the NBA. It's not even close. Mm. And look, I, Trey Young is spectacular to watch. He is so entertaining. Uh, I mean, he's he makes he may he's making it his second year in the league. He's dropping 30-foot daggers like Steph Curry in his prime. Uh, the the manner in which he plays is unbelievable, and yet I don't, I, I think the three of us could do as, as good or better job defensively as Trey Young does. He is far and away, and it's not even close, he's far and away the worst defensive player in the entire league. <laughs> he should not make the all-star team. This team is someone that a lot of people thought might make a push for the playoffs. Right. And if not make it, at least like, hey, two weeks to go, they're a game and a half out. This team has been an absolute joke.
0: And I am so
2: disappointed
0: in the Atlanta Hawks. Wow. I, I wasn't expecting any any Hawks conversation to be had. Uh, I don't think people realize, like unless you're checking the standings every day, I don't think you realize that the Atlanta Hawks are the worst team in the NBA.
1: Right. That's the thing. They... they Surprised people last year because I think they ended up winning, like, you know, somewhere between 25 and 30 games, whatever it was. It was more than people expected from them. And now they, they went eight of their first, you know, they're eight, and they're eight and 32. Eight wins in the first half of the season isn't great. A lot of the wins, a lot of the losses are, are pretty bad losses. And like, even, even to your point about like them even being in the playoff picture, it's not even a team where it's like, oh man, like the Hawks are on the schedule. Like, that's not good. I'm not an easy team. They're, they're, they're a pest to deal with, you know, whatever, whatever. If people are kind of looking at, at the Hawks on the schedule. And it's like, oh, well, that's that's a game where we think we can probably get. I know a lot of it has to do with the fact that that Collins uh, was out for, for 25 games. And I think it doesn't even really fall on Young, though. I think the fact that they were relying heavily on, you know, first- and second-year players to begin with, I think they never gave Trey Young an adequate backup point guard. And just as constructed, this team wasn't as good as we initially thought. I think a lot of things had to fall in their favor for them to – be the team that we thought that they could become. That that all-star leap from Young and Collins, uh, the rookies and Reddish and Hunter kind of coming right away and, and being those guys that they're projecting to be. And I think that we're really just seeing uh, what the worst case scenario, honestly, of, of what it is. And, and somewhere probably in the middle was what we should have
0: expected. Yeah, I, I don't know what I expected out of Atlanta, but definitely not this. So I, I expected the New York Knicks to be down there. The Warriors. With the injuries they re- received, I expected them to be, you know, one of the worst teams. Even the Cavs. The Cavs have a better record. Think about that than the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, my biggest disappointment this season. Here we go, Micah. The New Orleans Pulse? Pelicans. Oh, okay. Let's go. This is a team. Man, we're
2: going to have a lot of Pelicans talk yeah. on this guy. Yeah. This there. is go. a
0: team that a lot of people picked to make the playoffs before the start of the season. Going Obviously, up. granted, uh, you know, Zion Williamson was expected to play. He hasn't played yet, Okay. Um, I'm disappointed in that. That's part of my disappointment is that we haven't had an opportunity to see Zion on the floor who, when he steps on the floor, he'll be one of the five most exciting players in the NBA right away. That also plays defense. Sure. <laughs> plays defense as a shot at Trey Young. Huh? Uh, but all the hype in the play- and them making the playoffs and everything else, and even with Zion not being in the lineup, I expected this team to be at least competitive. They're one of the worst teams in the NBA as well. Like they were, let's face it, they're one of the worst teams in the NBA as well. They're second to last right now at the time of recording this in the Western Conference. We can talk about how how tough it is to win in the Western Conference. I will get to that later as part of this, uh, in 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 the uh, in the podcast. But this New Orleans Pelicans team. Does not fall off a cliff if Zion Williamson is 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 not playing. Like if there's there's veterans on this team, JJ Redick, there's you know Drew Holiday, there's there's talent in in all the three Lakers that they got from the Lakers when they traded Anthony Davis away. This should be a better team than what it is. I'm disappointed that they are not right now, and I'm also disappointed. I'm more disappointed, less disappointed that they're not a good team. More disappointed that we haven't seen Zion play as yet. Do you know how many teams in the NBA have a better better record than the
2: Pelicans dating back to December 23rd? Here no. to guess, guess how many? I'll how many say, teams in the entire league? I will say three. That is exactly three. Look at me. Exactly okay. three. Okay. Are you, like, yeah? <laughs> X-ray vision over here? Like the Lakers, Jazz, and Bucks—only team, only teams with a better record than New Orleans. So they're playing the better basketball, and that's okay. to tell you how bad they were
0: at the start of the it year. It was—they—they the they were
2: horrific to right. start the year. But they're coming. Okay. They just won uh, on the—well, this. Well, what I'm about to say has a lot more to do with uh, the sad state of affairs in Detroit than mm-hmm. it does with the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. They just won on the road the other night in a game that they played without Drew Holiday, without Brandon Ingram, without Derek Favors, without J.J. Redick, and obviously without Zion Williamson. Right. And they still went
1: on the, ro- on the, the road The Jalil Okafor won. game. The
2: Jalil Okafor. Okafor.
1: Okafor By the game. way,
2: how crazy is it? all these teams that want to trade for Andre Drummond and then he he lets Ja Big Ja go and do him dirty like that. Let me and, add, five
0: and fourteen. Let me add to the disappointment since I'm we brought saying, him up. The, I am disappointed that Jalil Okafor is not a better NBA player because I was I was all that's another podcast for another time. But I had his ba- that's an off season podcast. <laughs> Guys that we were disappointed in coming into the league. I was right there with you, man. Yeah. I, st- I
2: still can't believe that I'm not going to do, do myself dirty like that. <laughs> uh, no, the, the Pelicans are coming. I'm going to get – we're going to talk about more on that later. Okay, but, okay. Know.
0: But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I, like I said, I'm less disappointed that they're not as good. I am very disappointed that we haven't seen Zion to this point. And who knows? He could be coming in two days' time. All right. Uh, biggest lesson learned from the first half of the year, 41 games through. What have you learned, Gil?
1: Championship DNA is is a very real thing mm. and, and you know, you look back at the past five champions and you look at the Warriors and people talk about Championship DNA, and it's easy to write it off and be like, oh they got Steph Curry, they have KD, they have Clay and Draymond. You look at the Cavs, oh they have LeBron James, of course they're going to play well. Mm. Well this Raptors team this year is also a surprise, not because we didn't think that they would be good, but because they've dealt with injuries. Only two teams, or only three teams have dealt with more injuries than them. They sit Still, right now, midway point, fourth seed, eleven games over five hundred, and they've they've gone without Marcus, Saul, Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Norman Powell, and here they are <laughs> still finding ways to win games because they're guys who played in important games last year in May and June. They might have been the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth guy on the roster, just right. being there. That championship DNA is something that this roster just has a lot of they had I saw we, we watched them play last week they're down 10 points to a, a inferior Charlotte team but still down 10 points on the road on the second night of a back to back they come back get a win in overtime because Kyle Lowry is leading the charge and these guys kind of follow they listen to what he says and uh, they're in every game that's something that coach Nick Nurse has been talking about you know he'll, he'll live with the results if they play hard and they're in every game and and that's what they're doing and I think that that is the Exempl- Exemplifies what championship DNA is and how that affects a team.
2: I think this has been the best year of Kyle Lowry's career. I think I think that th- that championship maybe it didn't like fundamentally change who he is as a player, mm-hmm. but it, it it just it something seems different. Where it's like whenever he's on the floor, it doesn't matter who the other four dudes are out there. Like Toronto's not rolling over to anybody. Yeah. This this team feels. Like the exact opposite of the ones from a couple of years ago where it was, you know, him and DeMar and maybe they win, you know, 57, 58 games and and they look like a great regular season team. But you could always kind of tell like something's missing or maybe they're a little bit soft or maybe there's a little bit of window dressing here. You know, this is the exact opposite. There is no window dressing. Like the paint's been stripped, the the like wallpapers hanging from <laughs> from the threads, and it doesn't matter because they get the job done night and night out. They are never out of any game, uh, and a lot of that is due to Kyle Lowry, who, like I said, I think this is the best he's
0: ever played. I think it. I think what it is is like Neil said, it's a cha- it's a championship DNA, and I think what it has removed from the Raptors completely, not just Lowry, it's the fear of the unknown. We all we all all three of us can drive a car, mm-hmm. but the first time behind the wheel. When mom's sitting next to your dad, sitting next to you, <laughs> you're nervous, you're yeah. shaky, even though you know you can do it. Just that person constantly being in your ear the entire time is is, is just is just nerve wracking. That was the monkey on the back that is the yeah. failures of the playoffs for the yeah. Toronto Raptors. Now that's gone. Now mom's out the car. Now you're driving with one hand on the wheel. You're texting, even though oh, you shouldn't do it, be doing do that. You're not driving, you're, text. You're, no, don't do it. Don't do it. You're, <laughs> you're sipping juice. You're doing whatever you need to do. You're playing music at a, a thousand. That's what Kyle is doing because he has no more fear of of losing he knows yeah. what it is to win he's, he's felt it before so now he's hitting in cruise control and we're seeing the results he's, he's the, got the top down the aviators oh, on it's all he's that. just chilling man he, he's he, yeah he's lending his car out all oh, everything <laughs> <laughs> he's lending his car out to, to terrence davis a rookie and, and he's driving it fine he's yeah. figuring it out yeah. the, the raptors are doing really well biggest uh what you learned most so you so far. you
2: you started with championship dna yeah. i'm going to start yeah. with uh the word championship as well a quick little shout out to someone playing in the championship, uh, the NFC championship this weekend, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. Because my biggest lesson from the first half is relax. r-e-l-a-x do not judge a book by its cover okay Okay. do not be carlin sitting here (laughs) looking at the clippers on january 14th telling but really my my the whole relax don't judge a book by its cover thing is with regards to two teams it's the utah jazz and it's the denver nuggets okay both of those teams i think especially utah adding mike conley and bogdan bogdanovich or, or boyan bogdanovich Er, no,
1: Bojan. Bojan, yeah.
2: we got it. Um, I never. Whatever. They're this, <laughs> the same guy. Uh, and then, and then Denver, you know, coming off the heels of Jokic's strong season and and his great playoff push, a lot of people looked at those two teams as sort of the they're the up and counter. Mm-hmm. These are the ones that are going to give the the, the L A teams in Houston a run for their money. And then, what a month into the season, both of them kind of got off to lethargic, uh, slow starts, and we're wondering like. What's going on? Are they are they fraudulent? Are they not? Well, guess what? Now they're second and third in the West. Mm-hmm. Jokic looks like a top-five MVP guy. Utah's doing it, and they're doing it without even Conley, who's mm-hmm. been hurt. Joe Ingles is playing great. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert both look like all-stars. And all of a sudden, Utah and Denver look exactly like the teams that so many people thought they'd be back in July when you know people were saying, oh, Utah won the offseason, and Denver's ready to take that next step. It just, it takes some time. And in this case, it took 41 games to get there. Uh, these two teams, even if they don't win the title, or even if they don't, you know, reach the finals, they're good enough now to screw up all the seeding in the West mm-hmm. that they're going to be the reason that the Cl- that the Clippers and Lakers play each other around earlier than they thought. Mm. And in that sense, these two teams are the
0: monkey wrench in the whole Western Conference. Yeah, that's, the, that's huge. I'm... I like to apologize to the Utah Jazz. I didn't see this coming in them nine game win streak as as we're recording right now. Undefeated since acquiring Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's a, the reason. He's, he's the, a yeah, the reason. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this: they, it's the reason really is is that Mike Conley hasn't been playing, and that's I'm not saying that in a negative way. It's just that they haven't figured out how to play with Mike Conley on the court. Mm-hmm. He, you remove him, and hopefully, he, as he's watching on the sideline, he finds a way to kind of fit into. What's been going on? Because you could see the chemistry just shoot right up. Should
2: he be the sixth man when they when he gets back? They might have
0: to think about it. I they think I would. Think about it. I
2: think I think he would be my sixth man,
0: or at least give the ball to Donovan Mitchell and say, Mike Conley, we know you can handle the rock as well, but yeah. you're going to be a standstill shooter. I'm sorry, like that's just how it's going to have to be because Mitchell's gone to another level now.
1: That's an interesting point you talk about Mike Conley not not playing and I, and I remember when Chris Paul missed some time in Houston. One thing he said, and I think Mike Conley's not necessarily of, of the. The high of a level of basketball IQ, nobody is with Chris Paul. He's like one top percentile in the world. But right. with a complicated system like they have in Utah, which is what the players say, I think Mike Collin may be able to step back and watch them and watch the way it unfolds and maybe come back with a greater understanding and maybe fit in a little bit better than he did earlier in the season. I also think that a lot of their struggles had to do with really trying extra hard yeah. to – Fit him in and, yeah. and like it wasn't necessarily a natural thing So maybe you know he sees the flow that they have going on without him and why it's working well And maybe that spells more success once he's back in the lineup, but I, I don't know if a six man Maybe something to consider, but I don't know
2: Well in- I- Ingles was on was on low post and mm-hmm. one of the things <laughs> that he was talking about with him on there is like For years and years Utah has been sort of top down one of the most uh, Consistent stable teams in the league from year to year they got nine new guys in this yeah. team. Yeah, like, of course, it was going to take time. Really, beyond Mitchell Gobert and Ingles, like it's an entirely different yeah, team there. It just it takes time to learn how to play with guys, mm-hmm. especially you know Ingles is a guy that really struggled coming off the bench because he's playing with guys he's never played with yeah. before, right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. it just it takes time.
0: It, it does. So relax, everyone. <laughs> it does. Uh, my biggest lesson learned from the first half: the Bucks are for real, gentlemen. The Milwaukee Bucks are for real. I'm. I, this is like the Man, Bucks podcast. I'm coming around. You know, this is record like the, a therapy session. Can we, can we talk about the aha moment that it was just like, all right. right, I'm, I'm. Yeah, when did it, when it happen? Uh, well, to be honest with you, it has more to do with Giannis than it does the actual team. I think Giannis has gotten better. You, you may not look at his numbers and say, or uh, right across the board, and say to yourself he's done this big, giant leap, I think he's gotten better and more confident in his own skin and not to say he wasn't before, but I think there's a there's a the same sort of thing that we were dealing with Kyle Lowry, where when you start winning, you just have this extra chip on your shoulder uh, and, and you know that you are the man Giannis winning the MVP last year I think he realized that hey I'm I'm the best player I might not agree with that but he, he, he's thinking to himself I'm the best player in the league every time I step on the floor I think last year he was testing himself against some of the best he'd go up against LeBron have a good game and see okay I could do it but he never really thought he was getting the respect from everybody else now he got the ad- or the adoration from everybody else and now that the MVP is squared away and the individual talent squared away. He now, he now sees himself as a guy that's going to take this team to the next level. And he has that chip on his shoulder. And I I really think that it's, it's really the one number that sticks out to me is the three point attempts that he's taking this season. He's taking five per game this season. And that's the most in his career. And it's not like he's knocking them down at a high clip, but just the fact that he's taking them now, when he doesn't have to in the regular season, tells me everything I need to know because he is preparing himself for when the playoffs rolls around. He knows how he's going to be guarded. He knows he's going to have to shoot those to keep teams honest. So he's taking them now so that when the playoffs rolled around, his team is not shocked when he's taking those three-pointers. He doesn't have to feel shocked when he's taking them. He's not taking them out of necessity. He's taking them because that's a part of the game plan. I, I think that's one of the biggest changes for not only him but this entire Bucks team. And I, I really do believe that they're going to get out of the Eastern Conference. I'm
2: glad. I'm glad that you mentioned the, the three-point shooting because it's part of just his offensive evolution in terms of just becoming a a more consistent, a more and really, it's not even about consistent because I think last year he was probably among the most consistent guys uh, among stars in the league. It's just about being a more complete player. Right. And you know he might still have some holes in his game, but like they're holes that like you know what you can you can put like a piece of gum over yep. or something. They're not these gaping holes. So I want to just talk real quick about Giannis' scoring because I, th- I think he's, he's drastically underrated as a volume scorer. We get lost in what James Harden is doing mm-hmm. on a per-game basis, as we should because it's absolutely outrageous. Uh, but because of James Harden, Giannis' scoring is flying incredibly under the radar. My man is averaging 34.8 points per 36 minutes. <laughs> okay. If you take every season in NBA history entering this year, do you know how many there have been that's better than that?
1: Can't be too many. I'll say two.
2: What? Will you stop looking at my computer? (laughs) It is only two. (laughs) Wilt in 61-62 when he averaged over 50 a game. Right. And Harden last year. That's it. Giannis is scoring more on a per minute level than Michael Jordan oh, wow. ever did in any of his seasons. Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, Shaq, Hakeem,
0: Iverson, any of them. Yeah, you name them.
2: Any of them. Right now, you know, Harden this season is a little bit above him. Right now, Giannis is is putting forth the fourth best per minute scoring average in NBA history. Wow. Uh, and I, I mean, I just, I don't know what to, I don't know what to say. And he's also probably the best defensive player in the league. He might be the best rebounder in the league. He's a great passer. Uh, man, Giannis is great.
0: He, he's, he's, he's really good. And and as you mentioned, like the scoring is there. A lot of times he's getting the thirty points and they're sitting out rest of the games. He has a fifty burger this season. He's at he has a forty-eight point game this season. He's gone over thirty times or thirty points at least twenty-one times this year. He's doing he's doing a lot, but like I said, for me, the three point attempts, I don't even I'm not necessarily worried about him shooting thirty two percent from three point range. I'm worried about the fact that he's attempting these threes yeah. because last year it was under three. And when the playoffs came around, just the way he was having to be guarded, he had to go up to three and a half just to take shots to make keep the defense honest. Now he's avoiding that uh, and, and just really just launching. And what if he gets to seven a game in in the playoffs? What if he has to, What if he gets to eight a game in the playoffs? Well, it's so going to happen because the team is going to. That's I mean, there there will be times
2: in the playoffs where teams are going to sit completely back and say, "You're going to shoot ten threes mm-hmm. tonight." Mm-hmm. And like he's, I mean, he's just he's gonna have to
0: hit a couple of them. I think the difference is now he's he's comfortable in taking those, and he has no problem. He's not he's not suffering from the Ben Simmons syndrome. He's gonna go out there and let it stroke and let them fly. And I think that's going to be the difference in the Bucks making the finals this season versus why they didn't make it last year. Also, Kawhi Leonard had a little bit to do with that. I'll be honest. That's a fair assessment. I'll throw that in there. But there's no more Kawhi Leonard. Uh, What's flying under the radar uh, this? season in the first 41 games kill we, we briefly touched
1: on it because Victor Oladipo is going to be back in a, in a matter of weeks but I think Indiana uh, again similar to I didn't even think about them when I, when I read this question you, know, you see exactly uh, yeah. again they flew under the radar uh, <laughs> and out, of, out, of, out of the three of us I probably talk about them
0: more than anybody else see it you know um, it's all because of the division though. yeah you know <laughs> um, but, but you look at this team you know here we
1: are they're, they've been without Oladipo all season. They've been without Brogdon for uh, like you know a dozen games or so. Right, they're, they're a half game out of fourth. When Oladipo comes back, you look at the way the roster is. You have Oladipo, you have Brogdon, you have Sabonis, TJ Warren, and, and Miles Turner. You're looking at TJ Warren, a guy who just scored 30 points in the second half of a game being the fourth option on, mm-hmm. on a team on offense, that's pretty scary. I think that um, teams are – if they can figure it out over the last half of the season, that's a team that people aren't going to want to see in the postseason because – they play hard. They're physical. They they lock in on defense. And now, who are you really going to focus in on shutting down? Because you know, if you, if you focus on Oladipo, then Brogdon will hurt you. If you focus on those guys, and they'll they'll hurt you in the front court with Warren, and they'll hurt you with with Sabonis. And Miles Turner is is no slouch either. So I think this team, as constructed, really has a lot of pieces, as you usually talk about, Carlin, that that are really kind of kind of going under the radar, and they're going to make things difficult for a team in the postseason.
0: Two years ago or maybe three now, when they pushed the Cavs to seven games in the first round, they had a team that had they got past that round, they probably would have been in the conference finals and could have easily beaten that Boston Celtic team that the Cavs had to go seven with. Mm -hmm. And we would be looking completely different at this Indiana Pacers team than we are now. This team that they have this year, even without seeing Victor Oladipo play a single game, I will sit here and tell you that they are way better than that team from two years ago. I agree with you. And, and Malcolm Brogdon is a huge part of that. They have a solid bench that's going to give you scoring. Miles Turner is obviously better than he was at that time. Sabonis is way better than, than any option they would have had at, that, at the, the four position. Uh, we, you mentioned all those, those pieces. You didn't say Jeremy Lamb, who they picked up in the offseason, yeah, and yeah. he's flying under the radar. <laughs> this is a good team. Yeah. And, yeah. and I don't think they'll make the finals because I think the Bucks are better, but they're going to upset someone. In the Eastern Conference, and 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 it's be, it's going to be in large part with the fact that you know this Indiana Pacer team, like you said, very physical. They have Victor Oladipo, they have Brogdon, who could also help close games. They have all the pieces in place, and maybe not this year. It won't be this year because the Bucks, like I said, are the best team. But a year from now, two years from now, we could be talking about the Pacers if they keep this together, like we are talking about the Bucks right now. Like it, it wouldn't be surprising if, if the way you look at the
1: way things shape out like last year how we saw Portland they were uh, they were beneficiaries of the Rockets and right. Warriors being on the same side of the, side of the bracket who's to say if the, if the Pacers don't somehow climb up to three they end up avoiding teams in the first and second round and end up in the conference finals against the Bucks? like I don't think that's that far-fetched to see mm. the way their season's been without their best player and once their best player is back if they figure it out I could see that being their their, their ceiling for sure
2: I mean we saw two opportunistic teams do, the, do that last year yeah. right yeah. between Toronto winning a title yeah. because of it, and Portland reaching a conference final because of yeah. it. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah. they could easily be they could easily be like Eastern Conference version of last year's yeah, Blazers for sure. Right? For
0: sure. What'd you go, Micah?
2: Um, I went with a guy who was getting a, a lot of publicity, and to me is one of the craziest, weirdest, most fascinating stories that's taken a positive, uplifting turn this season. It's Markel Fultz. Hmm. I think that uh, for so long, Fultz was the subject of a lot of scrutiny and and deserved. I mean, the the manner and I mean, number one overall pick, the way in which that whole first couple of years in, in Philly went down. Um, but I I think you know now that he's in Orlando, he's starting. The Magic are actually starting to come on a little bit. Fultz is playing pretty well. So, you know, on a, on a Permanent basis, he's scoring more than Ben Simmons is. <laughs> Who'd have thought that, right? Um, I I think, they and, it's, the and it's crickets. There's been crickets <laughs> about markel fultz and it's probably the best thing possible right. uh, because he's he's been able to be out of the spotlight. If if L. was playing as well as he's playing now, but he was still in Philly, or if he was in L.A. or Houston or Chicago or New York or wherever, right, like. This wouldn't be the first time we would have been talking about be Markel so much Fultz, noise
1: around it, right? So but because
2: it's Orlando, you know, no one's really paying any attention. Right. Uh, the team up until the last couple of weeks has been bad enough that like people aren't really paying much attention to Orlando anyway. Um, so I, I think that Markel Fultz uh, is flying a little too far under the radar, and I think that especially as Orlando continues to to firm up their positioning. Uh, in the Eastern Conference playoffs, I think Markel Fultz is going to be someone that gets a lot more
0: attention. Yeah, he, he, and he deserves it, as you uh, as you said. I'm uh, my flying under the radar is uh, a little bit to do with the Orlando Magic because they actually uh, at the time of recording this in the last ten games have played much better basketball. They're six and eight, or sorry, six and four in their last ten, uh, and they're seventh in the Eastern Conference. The Brooklyn Nets are eighth in the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference as a whole is better than the Western Conference. Wow, better? I think there's te- I think there was times where and and definitely in the last 10 years where the Western Conference absolutely dominated. There was even talk about how a ninth place Western Conference team should cross over and go to the Eastern Conference to secure a playoff spot. That's all done. That's o- that's over if with.
2: If you took if you took 1 through 6 in the West and 1 through 6 in the East and they all played each other. So like one versus one, two versus two, three. I versus think three, completely healthy,
0: four. I'm taking the Eastern yeah? Conference. I'm taking wow. the Eastern Conference. Other than the Lakers and Clippers, none of the other teams scare me. From a from a, from a matchup standpoint. I think if you if you picked the six bests in the East, six best in the West, and you got an opportunity to match them up, I think Are it, each of
2: the six best in the East better than three on down in the West? Like oh would yeah, you take was, like the absolutely. Pacers absolutely. in a series against the Rockets?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. Interesting. interesting. They, I mean, it's going to be close. It's not like the Rockets. Oh, no. Sure, years no, past, no. The, the Rockets probably, you'd probably say, you know, last <clears throat> this time last year, the Rockets probably beat them in a, in a gentleman's sweep.
1: Right.
0: If a fully healthy Pacers squad goes seven against the Rockets, it's going to be close. Yeah. It's, it's going to be close. Yeah. yeah you, the the Rockets are pushing, I mean, sorry, the are pushing them. I mean, yeah. sorry, the Pacers are pushing them. So I'm not, I'm not afraid. Like Dallas is in sixth right now. I would, not in a seven game series, other than maybe, like, if you're going to pick on Indiana, that's the only team you can really say that Dallas has a chance at beating other than the five, the top five in the East. Yeah. No, no pushback so there, right? So I think enough. that's flying under the radar because we spent so long talking about for the last 10 years, talking about how great the West was and how powerful the West was, that the East won the championship a year ago,
2: and they're back. I don't know. I don't, I don't think they are. I'm actually, now that I'm thinking about this, I'm going to push back on this. Okay, go for it. Because I think that for a long time, like, LeBron reached eight straight finals. And all we could ever do was talk about the only reason that he reached eight straight finals because the East was so bad. Now LeBron's gone.
0: Everyone looks better because he's not there anymore. Now all of a sudden the East is good. Yeah, don't do that, though. The teams overall are a lot better in the Eastern Conference than when LeBron was in the Eastern Conference.
1: I I think the last
0: time LeBron went to the finals in the Eastern Conference, he's playing a a Boston Celtic team that were missing their two best players. I think we're overvaluing how good the the teams in the middle, the middle of the East are. I don't think they're that good. Okay, that's,
2: you know, we'll find time will tell. Yeah, we'll we'll
0: revisit this. That's actually that's actually
2: the midseason tournament that we need. It's just a yes.
0: Yes. I hope it really does happen, by the way. Uh. Biggest second half storyline to watch. I'm switching it up. Michael, go ahead. So, uh, because we we got to manufacture reasons
2: to talk about them because we never talk about them. <laughs> uh, so, in a way, they're also flying under the radar. I I think that whether the Spurs make the playoffs is going to be a really big thing again. Okay, streak. On uh, the line. Yeah, they they are currently tied for the most consecutive uh, playoff uh, appearances in NBA right. history with 22. They could set a record with 23. Miraculously, they're they're somehow still right there as at the time of this recording. I believe they are tied for eighth 17, right now.
1: 17, tied. They're yeah. only
0: they're only percentage points, three percentage points behind the Memphis. I mean, Christmas. they are
2: this is the biggest beneficiary of a softened bubble in the West is San Antonio. Uh Colin, you just wrote a piece about how uh, Demar Derozan is is definitively better than Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> uh, so, exactly uh, that. There's a, go to go to NBA.com, You yeah. can read all about that. No, it's just about how you know Greg Popovich is using uh, using Derozan and some of the, some of the same ways that Milwaukee uses Giannis. I I just I'm I'm fascinated by because I think that for probably. 9 straight years now. We've had a conversation about like are the Spurs done? Is this it? Are they finished? And you know, they're not going to win the title, but they're they're hanging around. They're yeah. hanging
0: around the playoffs. Yeah, and and, so. and that's a big that's a big thing for Greg Popovich. This is his legacy. This is everything uh huge for him. For what it's worth, I don't think they're they are do not think they actually are going to make the playoffs. You don't think they make the playoffs. No, no but they'll more make... on that in a minute. Okay. That's a, that's a yeah. that should have been one of your big surprises, but that's a nice tease. Um like you said, I did write that story about Demar kind of being Giannis light, um, and the only the only thing that I wish I had added to that story is talked a little bit more about Lamarcus Aldridge and the way he's transformed his games over his game over the last ten games because he's shooting a lot more three pointers uh, and he's knocking them down like he he's he's kind of doubled his output in terms of three point attempts over the last ten games and he's shooting right now at the time of recording this over fifty five percent from three. Um, that's allowed DeMar more space, all Aliannis. So he's kind of been the Brooke Lopez of the San Antonio Spurs. But I think LaMarcus Alders deserves a lot of love and should get some quiet love for uh, the, the late all-star push as well as a big in the Western Conference. Gil, storyline
1: to watch. Storyline to watch uh, ties in with that. And I don't know, I might be taking your point, but uh, you talk about the Spurs and that eight seed well, three and a half games behind them is, according to Carlo, one of the worst teams in the league, the New Orleans Pelicans. Let's go! Um, I think they are going to be huge. Not according to me. according to the record. I, I mean, not since December 23rd. Am I right? Um, <laughs> but but Zion Williamson's— The season does start December 23rd. Zion right? Williamson's <laughs> impending return is going to make things very interesting for this team. Um, you kind of look at a breakdown of the schedule. Uh, and and what the, who they have in front of them right now? They are 14th in the Western Conference, but like I said, they're three and a half games out of eighth. Out of eighth, um, they're behind the Kings, Timberwolves, Suns, the Trailblazers, Spurs, and Grizzlies. But then when you look at the schedule, they have not played the Spurs or the Grizzlies yet this year. So they have eight games left this season against those two teams alone. Okay. Then you look at the splits; they have. Uh, the 2 They've beaten the Trailblazers twice already. They're tied with the Suns 1 1. They'll play again later on in the year. They've beaten the Kings once. So they have all the tiebreakers tie on their side right now, and they play the teams that they're behind eight times. If Zion Williamson is two thirds of what he is as advertised or what we saw from him in the preseason, mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be worth watching their playoff push in the second half of the season. It looks like in the Western Conference, the AC is going to be below 500. So. Why not them? They have a lot of opportunity in front of them. For
0: sure. Um, I don't agree, but hey, <laughs> that's why we do this podcast. Uh, my biggest storyline to watch in the second half of the season, simple and it's plain, but it is what it is, the trade deadline. Yeah. I think that this trade deadline will swing the balance of power for one team like it did for the 2008 Lakers that made the finals and ended up losing to the Boston Celtics in 6 games. That season the Lakers were in first place at the time of acquiring Pau Gasol and then that kind of cemented them as the team to go out and make the finals out of the Western Conference that year. But leading up, there were there was a lot of teams that were in the mix in the West. It was kind of like, all right, Kobe's doing all these things, but he doesn't really ha- he's not going to be able to trust Andrew Bynum or Derek Fisher to get them over the hump, so they had to go out and make a move. I feel like there's a lot of that for a lot of teams right now. So two things are going to happen: one team is going to step out and have the stones to make that move, or everyone is going to pull a Scott Rafferty and straddle the fence <laughs> and stay flat, and we'll go to the we'll go to the playoffs with a lot of teams just kind of hoping things fall their way, whether it's uh, you know an important player gets fouled out in one game that changes the entire series, or uh, someone gets hurt, or they get gastro like Joel Embiid did last season in uh, the second round of the playoffs. So who's it going to be? Who's the team that goes and does it? <sighs> That's tough. I I think the team that should is the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. I don't know if they will because I don't know that they'll they'll find a dance partner to go out. But they need to do something drastic. And something drastic meaning make a move for uh, you know get Ben Simmons out or. Something wow, get draft. Ben that's Simmons very, out of there. They need to, yeah. move, no, no, they need to make a dress. Hold on, point. stop the press. They, don't if, don't, if, just, if don't just, just try to slide in casually under your breath. <laughs> I'm going to get Ben Simmons out of there.
2: Are you suggesting
0: they trade Ben Simmons? <laughs> I think I've seen enough. This yeah, year.
2: welcome aboard. This is great. I'm not the only one now.
0: Like I said, I was towing the line for this, but I i might as well jump in. I've seen enough of Ben Simmons and Joel b together. With this team around them to say that I don't think they have enough to get to win the championship. And that's the ultimate goal. And they're not going to get any better through free agency. It has to be a trade. Just the way that their contracts are all constructed. They're going to be together for a long time. A lot of money tied up in Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. Something has to happen. I would prefer to keep Joel Embiid than Ben Simmons. So I think you you have to move on from Ben Simmons. Like I said, it's not going to happen this year. Eventually, that's, I think that's the move. Could happen this summer his contract I I look, no one right.
2: no one listens to to hot radio uh right podcast to hear numbers and contract talk but uh his contract makes it it's, it's not going to happen this year yeah but this summer when they flame out in the first round hmm.
0: no, okay. th- that's the thing it, it could. It, it's going to have to take something an embarrassing loss an embarrassing loss and that could be in the first round depending on who they play if they played the right now the season ended today. They're playing the Miami Heat in the seven-game series. The Miami having home court advantage. By the They're way, Miami has lost one game all year at home. Mm-hmm. They are out yeah. in no more than six games. Yeah. I agree. Jimmy Butler is putting a rest to that Look, whole man, franchise.
2: I've been I've been making room for y'all on this bandwagon the entire year. It is yeah. right here. There's, there's lots of space left. We got captain's chairs, weather <laughs> interior, blasting the AC. We got the Kyle Lowry stunner shades on <laughs> top down. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Bring I, it on in, Carl. I, I think the trade-to-the-line is the biggest thing to watch because I, it's one team has to step out and make the move or we're looking at a bunch of 30, 32 cowards, GMs. Wow. Make a move, GM. Someone has to pull them aside from last year. I, The, the one that's the one that scares me is the Lakers.
2: Palenka just got
0: a contract extension. He's ready. He's ready people to go. Can,
2: people can talk about, oh, it's, it's hard for the Lakers to do it. Like If anyone pulls a magic, pulls a rabbit out of the hat, it's going to be yeah, the Lakers, yeah. and everyone's going to look around and be like, you got to be kidding me. Right. They got this guy for this guy? That's
0: what we said no way when they got Paul Gasol. I know. I, we terrified said no that way that when fan. they got Paul Gasol. We said no way um, when they got Chris Paul. How <laughs> I many no ways can yeah. we say? So yeah. my
2: uh, my bold prediction for the second half. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, by the way, bold predictions for the second half. Go ahead.
2: You guys, we, we sort of already touched on it, and, and we just talked about the Lakers. My bold prediction is sort of about the Lakers because – So if you Google, hey, Google, what are the key dates for the NBA season? You'll find an article (laughs) on NBA.com, and it says that April 18th, the NBA playoffs 2020 begin, which means the Lakers will be opening the playoffs either April 18th or April 19th. Mm -hmm. The morning after one of those two games, people are going to be freaking out because the Lakers are going to be down 1-0 in their playoff series, and it's going to be because – Zion Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans <laughs> went into Staples Center, sent a message, stole game one, yeah. and everyone's going to have like 48 hours of panic. And then the Lakers are going to roll off four it. straight and go anyway. It. Pelicans are making the playoffs. The Pelicans are going to win game one against the Lakers. And
0: everyone is going to be so happy that they did not nuke it and tear it down to the strips before the trade. I'm actually going to skip Gil here and uh, and piggyback off of that for my bull <laughs> prediction. Um, Zion Williamson is going to win Rookie of the Year. In let's oh, go in this yeah. year. He's going to win Rookie. Wow! Of is the John year. Morant
2: going to stop playing? Well, Sorry, John. here's Sorry. the thing:
0: John Morant has played terrific, and we talked about him in this podcast. He's been great, <clears throat> but there is going to be so much hype, and Zion is going to put up such great numbers and have all those highlights and have the narrative that all he needs is a handful of games to get it done. We're at 41 games right now. You give him 35 solid games, and that may be enough. Joel Embiid played 31 31 games and finished third in Rookie of the Year. vote. And people forget that he played those 31 games in the first half of the season, not the second. He did not play a single minute in February and beyond. Zion Williamson is doing the reverse of that. It's going to be fresh in the voters' minds come April when Zion is on the highlight reel. He's going to have his own regular Sports Center top 10 every night. Engineering a playoff. I mean, push John, too. And yeah. if, if they get into the playoffs.
2: John Morant's a little bit of a different beast than Malcolm Brogdon and Dario Scharch, though, which were the two guys that he finished
0: behind. It was. And, right. and Brogdon ended up winning it, running away with it, by the way. It wasn't even close. Hey, by but,
2: the, and, and shouts to my my homie, Mark Stein. Uh, vote. One of the guys who voted for Joel Embiid. I would have too if I would if I would have had a vote.
0: And, and my people, guy Stein. Let's go. The, Mark, Mark Stein with the stones doing it. But I think that people forget how much chatter there was around the Joel Embiid conversation, winning the Rookie of the Year, in, in the two weeks leading up to the vote. And the only uh, the only reason why people went out and said that he couldn't win it, and people why people didn't vote for him, was because he played 31 games. It was he was clearly the best rookie that yeah. year. Yeah. Granted, he was a 3rd year, year red f- redshirt yeah, freshman, but he was the best rookie by the r- lay of the law that year. And the only reason why he didn't win it is because he played 31 games, and that's why Malcolm Brogdon in the history book will be. The rookie of the year, I think Zion does reverse. I think he missed the first half of the season. People will remember it; it'll be fresh in people's minds, and they'll have a hard time turning it down because of his impact when he comes onto the floor.
2: Maybe he'll get the trophy
0: uh, from Adam Silver prior to Game Two, up one zero on the road in Staples. <laughs> they don't do that. They don't do that anymore. He's got to have a nice suit on at the hangar in, in Las Vegas and red carpet. And all they that. Should, this should change uh, the rules sure. for that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're all. I forgot. About do we that. want history saying that John Morant wearing rookie of the year? No, I think we want history showing yeah, but John that Zion Morant's going to be. Th- I, I, this I'm asking a like question. Rodgers. This is, okay, yeah. For, personal opinion here.
1: <laughs> Do you, <laughs> want
0: history? you got the biggest grin on
2: your face, which you, means I know you don't take this seriously. <laughs> Do you want history showing that John Morant run rookie of the year? Damian Lillard won rookie of the year over Anthony
0: Davis. Yes, right? and, and, okay. And it's fine. But because Damian Lillard is a really good player. Yeah, John Morant's going to be a really, really good, good player. player. Uh, oh yeah. Is he going to be better than Damian Lillard?
2: Uh, I, I don't know. Damian, <laughs>
0: okay. With Damian, Damian Lillard's in the like
2: first ballot All NBA, game, game, yeah, first, first team All NBA guy.
0: If John Morant is first he could, ballot, he could be All NBA.
2: He could. I don't know. We're we have say games in. we have say in He league. might be.
0: I want his. When I look back, I want history to show me that Zion Williamson. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. That's fair. I, I, I like the Damian
1: Lillard example. I don't think we knew Damian Lillard would be what he is now at the end of the 2012-13 season, but he's he's pretty good, and I think Ja can be pretty good. And I think. Memphis being as good as
0: they are makes this a little. Yeah. I
2: think if Memphis had the record,
0: what if they start tanking now? We're not tanking like in the sense yeah. of tanking. But what if they I fall off? They the cliff? Skip, I mean, like
2: like go zero and four against the Pelicans. And all all of a bad? I mean, Let's go,
0: a I'll play them every go. time. He, I'm I mean, just, saying, you know, he could win Rookie of the Year, and I think he will. All right, Gil. Biggest uh, bold prediction. Second bold prediction half. I mean, second it half.
1: seems like this is like the bold Pelicans prediction. Wow. So I, was, I was piggybacking <laughs> off my first thing that they he, were. Gill just wants a nice treatment. He's on his way there next they'll, week. They'll, he just they, wants I mean, nice treatment. Know, they'll, they'll, win, they'll win six of those eight games against the Spurs and Grizzlies, and they'll ride that momentum into a playoff spot. Lonzo Boss figuring it out. Zion's going to be back. Drew Holiday's going to get healthy. They're going to be sitting pretty, and everybody will be tuned in to the 1-8 matchup between the Pelicans and the Lakers. Don't know about winning game one on the road, but – It'll definitely be entertaining. This has turned
0: into a Pro Pelicans podcast. I'm here all for it. Let me crush it right now. They're not making the playoffs, guys. Let's be honest. The Zion will win Rookie of the Year, but they're not making the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs. All right. For Gil McGregor, Mike Adams, I'm Carlin Gay. Be sure to check out NBA.com all around the world, ca.nba.com. All our great work is there. Leading up to the All-Star game, we'll have a ton of content. There is an article right now debating whether or not losing players should be invited to the All-Star game. Trey Young is a part of that conversation. Uh, You'll be shocked to know
2: which side of the fence (laughs) I went
0: on that one. You can go head on over there and read that right now. Otherwise, keep it locked right here in NBA Sound System. We'll be back at the end of the week to give you our award predictions halfway through the season. Spoiler alert, Zion is going to win. Rookie of the Year. We'll see you next time, right here on MBA Sounds.